the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Hey, good afternoon. Greetings. Thanks for coming along. It's a bitter cold Wednesday afternoon here in the city of Pittsburgh. We are happy that you're with us. Kath, Mike, good to see you guys as well. Uh, Let's get underway. Kath, please start us off with the top four at four. All right, John, Mike, for Wednesday, December 2nd, number one. It is 4.03 p.m. on a Wednesday, and somehow the Steelers are right now playing the Ravens at Heinz Field. I still cannot explain it. Now, we've decided not to give updates during the show today because we're guessing a lot of our listeners are recording this bizarre event to watch later. As we say daily and with feeling, COVID ruins everything. Number two. According to the Trib, three women formerly incarcerated at the Allegheny County Jail filed a federal lawsuit against the facility and several officers alleging that they were, quote, brutally assaulted by a sergeant who beat them and improperly used a restraint chair and pepper spray on them. All three of the women, the lawsuit said, have psychiatric and physical disabilities that were exacerbated by the sergeant's actions. Number three. Health officials on Wednesday urged Americans to stay home over the upcoming holiday season, according to the Associated Press, and consider getting tested for coronavirus before and after if they do decide to travel. The Federal Centers for Disease Control and Prevention said the best way to stay safe and protect others is to stay home. Now, that's the same advice they had over Thanksgiving, but many Americans traveled anyway. With COVID-19 cases and deaths continuing to rise, the CDC added the testing option, saying that even if few people became infected while traveling over Thanksgiving, that could still result in hundreds of thousands of new infections. And number four, there is an unbelievable article in today's Wall Street Journal about two people we are all about to be indebted to. Yugur Sahin and Oslem Terici, co-founders of BioNTech, the German company that partnered with Pfizer to develop and market the first COVID-19 vaccine. Husband and wife, Dr. Sahin and Terici, are Turkish immigrants who settled in Germany and met through their desired desire, their shared desire, pardon me, to develop cancer treatments that utilize mRNA or messenger RNA to treat cancers like infectious diseases. Now listen to this, John. January 25th of 2020, which was a Saturday, after reading a study, he said convinced him that an obscure disease in China would soon engulf the globe. Dr. Sahin set to work on his computer, designing the template for 10 possible coronavirus vaccines, one of which is the one that was authorized today in the UK. Later that day, he said that BioNTech would refocus its work on combating a virus that didn't even have a name and hadn't even been seen in Europe yet. 
the following Monday. Now, keep in mind, this is two days after he first heard about COVID-19. And while all of us were blissfully unaware anything was even happening, Dr. Sahin reorganized his whole staff into seven-day shifts. He asked key workers to cancel their holidays and stop using public transportation. Lightspeed Project, as he dubbed the effort, would develop a vaccine in months rather than years, as so far had been the case. In February, November, February, Dr. Sahin was observing the effect of the shot he had already created in a microscope. He took a selfie with two employees, quote, I think this is the birth of our vaccine candidate, he declared. The BioNTech team, half of them women, John, include scientists with 60 nationalities. And that is your top four at four. Okay, wait, where, where are these, where's this couple from? They're from Turkey, but they emigrated to Germany with their parents when they were young. How can someone read about a virus in China, get to work and create 10 models for combating that virus? And one of those is the silver bullet. Can you believe that? That's genius. It's it's so shocking. It's so amazing. You have to treat yourself and read the article because it, there's also a part of the article where it talks about the fact that this man and woman had been working together in this lab doing cancer research. And they took a break at lunch one day, went out and got married and came back and just kept working. <laughs> oh, that's fabulous. Wow. We, yeah. Well, I mean, so it's taken... So they were way ahead of the curve, but it's taken this time for things to be approved. Yeah, because because designing it on a computer is different than having it sure. actually in the a, physical bio, presence in of a it. biological state that can work. Right. right. And then they part after they had decided on the vaccine and they felt like it was in, in a, um, a good development phase, that's when they um, partnered with Pfizer. They'd already partnered with Pfizer on some cancer-related drug, or no, I think on a flu-related vaccine. Um, and so they already had a relationship with them and then Pfizer was able to help them go through all the testing protocols that would lead to FDA approval and then the approval in Europe. People are amazing. People are just incredible. Well, holy smokes. Okay. That's really good news. And the the hope is right. That soon within this month, that vaccine will start to be distributed to healthcare workers, those in the front lines. And soon and very soon, all of us will get this and coronavirus will be a painful and hopefully distant memory in the uh, hopefully not too distant future. Good golly. That's a great story, Kath. It really is. Okay, let's take a quick break. We're going to get underway. we got a full slate for you today. We're going to talk next about poverty and the church's role in helping to ease poverty. Churches versus government. Economic development, how churches can work to reduce poverty. That's next here on The Ride Home. W-O-R-D. Gather around because it is present time. It's that gift-giving time of the year, and we're giving one that will keep on giving all year long. We could be paying your rent or mortgage for all of next year if you're the winner of the Christmas Mortgage Miracle Sweepstakes. You want to come up in an early Christmas present? You can even enter once a day to increase your opportunities to win. See rules and conditions for details. Enter the Christmas Mortgage Miracle Sweepstakes brought to you by Trinity Jewelers. Go to wordfm.com slash contest. I'm jealous of Santa's special skills. The guy has as many advantages as he has Lego sets. He's hitting over a billion chimneys in a single night, while I can't remember the last time my eyes saw past midnight. He's got the support of his eight magical reindeer, while I'll be leaning on the support of the good people at Amazon. 
Santa uses his advantages to deliver happiness and joy. And while our Faith and Family Mortgage Team is led by my father and not a very shiny nose, we too are lucky to have a special advantage that delivers our version of happiness and joy to you. And that is our direct lender advantage. Our team is part of a company that uses its own money and makes its own lending decisions within its own walls. There's no middleman. And this advantage often allows us to get you a better rate, saving you monthly and lifelong money. We are United Faith Mortgage. We pay your appraisal fees up to $500. United Mortgage Court, Melville, New York. MLS number 1330. Department of Banking. Mortgage Lender License number 22672. Join Thrivent and Friends for an exclusive Home for the Holidays virtual concert featuring Matthew West and special guest singer-songwriter Josh Wilson. Sing along to your favorite Christmas classics as Thrivent celebrates a year's worth of generosity. This free virtual concert happens 6 p.m. Sunday, December 6th. Treat yourself to the sounds of this joyous season. Pre-register online at Eventbrite. Search Thrivent Home for the Holidays Matthew West. That's Thrivent Home for the Holidays Matthew West at Eventbrite.com. Merry Christmas. This is Dean Gartland, president of City Mission. It has been a challenging year. Thank you for supporting City Mission through these uncertain times. I'm reminded of the words of Jesus, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Your generosity has helped us to be a light in the darkness for so many in need. The need is growing and City Mission will be there, but only with your continued support. Please visit us at citymission.org and let your light shine today. God bless you this Christmas season. I'm Dr. Andrea Russo, a cardiologist. Maybe you're waiting to talk to your doctor right now. But if you're having an irregular heartbeat, heart racing, chest pain, shortness of breath, fatigue, or lightheadedness, don't wait. This could be a serious condition like atrial fibrillation, which can make you about five times more likely to have a stroke. If you're having these symptoms, don't wait. Talk to a doctor by phone, online, or in person. Brought to you by Bristol-Myers Squibb and Pfizer. Way back in the 1960s, the phrase war on poverty was first coined. The Johnson administration, the Kennedy administration forward spent millions, if not billions and billions of dollars in those early days to eradicate poverty here in the United States. How does that work, that the role of government trying to ease the pain of those who are economically disadvantaged, albeit a very good thing, misses one thing, the faith of people, the eyeball contact, which is the local church. Well, Dr. Christine Jeske is back with us. Dr. Jeske is a regular guest on our show. She is professor of cultural anthropology at Wheaton College, the author of three books, including her latest, The Laziness Myth. Here today, Dr. Jeske is to talk to us about how churches can work to reduce poverty in our communities and in the world. Dr. Jeske, welcome. How are you? I'm doing well. It's good to talk with you. Yeah, always good to talk to you, Christine. Now, when we hear about economic development, of course, that seems like a government job. But your question is how churches can help, and that's interesting to me. So talk about how you see the relationship in economic economic development between the person who needs it and the government and the church. That's a really great question. There are definitely roles that government can do that churches cannot do well. Uh, they can operate at a kind of scale that churches can't typically operate at, and they can do things that churches can't always do, but there's definitely a role for churches also. Uh, And I think one of the biggest things about churches is that they have the greatest insight into human transformation. 
And the process of being involved in poverty alleviation through churches is all about transformation, both of people who are economically struggling, and it's a process of transformation of the rest of the church, too. I think that God has something for the church, everybody involved in it, when we're involved in that process of caring for the poor mm. or being in the la- involved in the lives of the poor. So I see it as a calling that is to the benefit of everyone and not just for the poor. It's a part of mm. our spiritual discipleship. Mm. That's really good. The greatest role in human transformation. So, I mean, and since the 60s or so, Dr. Jeske, of course, you know, the, there's been the rise of the so-called welfare state. Uh, you know, the government is trying to do good. So, they you know, they're handing out money. They're putting people into programs and whatnot. Uh, there's, of course, uh, pros and cons to both sides of that, which we won't go into. But, but what about that? I mean, the church obviously doesn't have the resources the government has, so the welfare state doesn't exist in a church, but you know, a, a state of helping people rise up to change their hearts, to change their minds, that's really the key thing here, isn't it? It is, yes. And like you said, the welfare state is something that has kind of come and gone through the years, and uh, currently, a lot of scholars would say it is not anywhere near as robust as it used to be and uh, and is leaving a lot of gaps for people, even in this era where, as we speak, our, our nation is trying to figure out how to pass a next uh, bill to try to alleviate unemployment. But, uh, but there's definitely uh, ways that that doesn't meet all these needs. I ha- do an activity in one of my classes that I have students uh, investigate what it's like to live on a job that pays minimum wage. So not even unemployment, but just having a minimum wage job and paying rent and trying to get their kids to school and pay doctor bills and all the just like basic necessary things that you need, food and housing. And it's hard to make that work. And my students come back and they say, wait, I think I did something wrong because I found that I can't figure out a way to have any savings at the end of the month. And in fact, I'm, I'm going into further debt at the end of the month. And I say, you're not doing anything wrong. That's the reality of even minimum wage jobs in the United States. Hmm. All right. So, Christine, I want to go back to you saying that the church has a particular role to play in economic development. And I, of course, I, I absolutely agree with that. And I've seen that in action uh, in my home church. But I wonder if you've ever had experience with how people who work in economic development and the government look at people in the church who are trying to be part of that engine. Well, we lost Christine. Hmm. I think that's the, that's an important question, John, is that phrase that again, if you don't have people who are working in economic development in the government who also recognize the church has a role to play, then when the church tries to get involved, the whole system can get mucked up. You know, it just, you know, the the gears kind of freeze and then you've got, you know, different, you know, you've got one person telling someone who's in need one thing and then the church telling someone who's in need another thing. It can just kind of, I'm wondering how complicated it could get. So my question for Christine is just if she's ever seen that. Oh, she's back. Hey, Christine, are you back with us? I am. I'm so sorry. It's okay. Here's the, <laughs> back. Yeah, here's the question I was asking is, I, you know, I think yeah. I fully recognize and have seen in action the role that uh, churches can play in economic development. But I'm wondering what happens when the person who's in government, also working in economic development, doesn't recognize that the church has a role to play. I mean, have you ever seen that conflict there or have you seen government and church be able to work well together? 
You know, I have not been in roles where I've ever had government say, stop what you're doing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) My experience is that um, government has only limited funds anyway. Um, and, uh, and the more the church can do, the better. Uh, that's been my experience, and it might not be the experience of everyone, but uh, in my work in South Africa, as well as being involved in a church in the United States, typically people are eager to have the help that they can give. And I'll just say one example. Our church has started a partnership with a school, and, uh, you know, there was some concern at, at first, you know, would they want a church being involved? And is this going to be a conflict of, of church and state? Because it's a public school. And in developing these relationships with the school social workers, so one of the things that we do is we have a benevolence fund, and social workers will identify families that might have an immediate need, like just some extra money so that they can make a rent payment and not get evicted. And they'll approach us and, and say, this is the situation. Can your church help with it? And uh, there's a lot of gratitude all around. <laughs> Sometimes we get letters from those families that are helped. Sometimes we get letters from the social workers thanking us. Uh, but there's typically not a, you know, we don't want a church here because it's it's a religious um, institution. And, of course, that's not the situation in every single experience. But I think usually um, when the church acts in generosity, uh, people respond with gratitude. And uh, I, I think that's a, a way that we typically don't go wrong as a church. No, it certainly doesn't. So then what what does that look like? I mean, here we are right now with massive unemployment. It's going to be years, I think, till we, uh, you know, sort of dig ourselves out of this hole that we're currently in. So uh, obviously the government's, you know, trying to pour stimulus money in, uh, politics notwithstanding. But the church's role, I think, is going to be called to a higher purpose now. And, I mean, of course, churches, uh, they themselves are at uh, – sort of a fraught condition because of the economics of where we are. So I wonder how this is going to play out. I mean, you know, churches are going to want to be, again, leading that charge of helping those hearts and minds of those people who are broken, but the resources necessarily won't be there for the long haul. So I wonder what the solution might be, you know, just week to week, month to month for people, those millions who are unemployed. You know, A phrase that I have just come to love in the last year is building communities of mutual transformation. Let me say that again, building communities of mutual transformation. And to me, I love every word of that. There's the the building as this is a process, but communities of mutual transformation. I think historically, at least in recent decades, the church has often thought of generosity as something that happens from people who have a surplus of everything that they need to people who don't have enough. And I think actually one of the encouraging things that has happened through this pandemic is that I think some Christians have learned to see generosity differently because instead of conceiving of this world as haves and have nots, we learn to see that all of us have needs. At least some of us have learned this. I've even noticed this just in church websites. I had a student do a study of church websites on generosity during the pandemic. And she noticed that a lot of church websites were saying, not just how can we help you, but also how, how would you like to help other people? And so when we start to see ourselves as not just givers or receivers, but mutually in these relationships where we all need transformation together, I think it changes how mm-hmm. we go about generosity in our church. So we're not just creating programs to solve the problems of some needy people out there, but we're 
figuring out how we listen to each other and care for each other. And, you know, my need today might be my ability to help someone tomorrow. And it goes back and forth. That's interesting, Christine. It's kind of like, um, you know, the conversation that there's are different kinds of intelligence, right? So some people mm. have, you know, a, you know, a mechanical intelligence or an artistic intelligence or, a, you know, a scientific intelligence or yeah. whatever. And, and one isn't greater than another. It's just different. So because somebody can, you know, engineer uh, or work on a vaccine um, is extremely important, but someone who fixes your car is also extremely important. It's just different kinds. Anyway, it just reminds me, this is, you're talking about different kinds of brokenness, right? Is it somebody who's materially poor is different and I'm poor in a different way? Yeah. I mean, I think about just the, the people who are close to me in relationships. And I think of like my friend at church who is unemployed, but with that unemployed time she's been able to go on walks with people and keep people company in different ways than people who are really busy can or i think of my mom who is in a retirement home and severely disabled after a stroke but she spent, spends her days praying for people every time i talk to her she'll say i'm praying for you you know she can't walk she can't do a lot of things but she can pray and so when we when we see people like that not just oh look at this person with a disability or look at this person who is in need of money, but rather think, what are they offering to the church? Like, what is each of us doing in the kingdom of God? It changes how we see people, and it, it helps us to see people not just an opportunity for pity or, um, it, you know, a, a thing to throw a project at, but rather as like fellow image bearers in the body of Christ. Wheaton College, we're speaking with Dr. Christine Jeske. So, Christine, you spent time um, internationally, uh, South Africa, uh, most importantly so. Um, when you see the model of the church around the world, I mean, is there someone somewhere who's got sort of like the perfect balance and has this figured out how to engage with Christians, how to engage with the poor, how to engage with the government so all those things are working together? I mean, is that even a remote possibility? I, I wish there was some place I could say that has it all figured out. Probably yeah. not. <laughs> but I think that in learning from other places, one of the coolest things I think about anthropology is we just get to see the variety of options that are out there in the world. And you see that they're different from what we do and in some ways might be better and in some ways might be worse. But it helps you think creatively. So, for example, in South Africa, Uh, I loved being a part of black South African churches. And one of the things that they do very well, I think, is really this mutual giving. There's a sense that people come and if there's a need, other people will provide for it. And there's not just one committee that does the providing for, but it's everybody for everybody else. You can show up to the church and say, you know what, I don't have money for food today. And you will go home with somebody making sure you have food today uh, because there's this sense that we all need each other. And this is, I mean, that's something that is just more common in poverty. Part of it comes from just poverty. Statistics show that the people who are most generous or the people who share the most with the poor are not the wealthy, but they're the poor themselves. So poor people share with each other all the time. There's a sense that if I help you today, you might help me tomorrow, and I desperately need that, so I will help you. Whereas the rich, you know, it's optional. I'll give when I feel like it or because I feel obligated to. Isn't that interesting? You know, even still today in 21st century America, 
poor people make other people uncomfortable, don't they? I mean, you know, you look at uh, Hillbilly Elegy, which is on Netflix right now. I don't know if you've, you know, mm. looked at that or talked about that. I mean, there's a great divide between the haves and the haves nots. And it's not material. I mean, it's psychologically and spiritual. Or um, intellectual. Yeah. You know, we talk an awful yeah. lot about helping the poor, but the presence of looking at poor people just somehow, I don't know if it rubs people the wrong way. It just does something to people that makes them uncomfortable and wants them to turn away. Yeah, that's interesting. I read Hillbilly Elegy quite a while ago, but I think it's such a great book in thinking about how class and culture come together, how uh, you might think that, uh, you know, ethnicity or something like that is the, the real difference or race is the real difference between people. And those are really important distinctions that, that affect how we behave around each other. But class is the sort of invisible thing that mm-hmm. if you grew up in a middle class or high class or low class, that will affect how you see the world. And, and you'll feel most comfortable with people of that same kind of class background, but it's right. so invisible. You know, you might be wearing the same clothes, but you sort of realize that, that there's a way of seeing the world that comes with that. And I think yeah, yeah. Billy Elegy, he draws that out. That's true. I mean, you know, one of the uh, big bestsellers of the last decade or so was a series of books, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And, you know, it was based Mm -hmm. upon the premise of, you know, how do you talk, you know, how does a rich dad talk to his kids versus how do a poor dad talk to his kids? And I I think that's, you know, exactly what you're striking upon here. It does make a huge difference how we see money and how we see ourselves in the areas that we grew up in. Yeah. I remember in that book really clearly a section where he goes to college and I forget where, but some prominent Yale. university and he's right. in these conversations with his classmates who are you know, going off skiing and spending these really expensive holidays. And he's thinking they couldn't walk into my home and, you know, what would they think of my family and how do I be honest about where I came from? It's something that I grew up, my best friend, I, I didn't realize it at the time, but I, started realizing this later in life, I think really came from a poor situation. But we never said that when I was little. She lived in a government-supported housing apartment. Um, and and really, like, her mom was in jail. Um, but I didn't see the differences until later in life. I sort of realized, mm-hmm. oh, that's, that's why her family interacted differently than my family, which was really solidly upper middle class and... Uh, and I, I just assumed my way of life was normal. And then I realized, oh, there's many different ways to see the world. Yeah, there sure is. That's Dr. Christine Jeske, professor of cultural anthropology at Wheaton College. She's the author of three books, including the latest, The Laziness Myth. Christine, thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's our pleasure. Uh, too bad. I really was hoping to solve how churches can work to reduce poverty. I mean, does anybody have the answer there? <laughs> <laughs> Of all the women in the world, you chose her. She is the one you can't live without. How will you tell her, I love you forever? You tell her with a diamond. From Trinity Jewelers. And of all the diamonds in the world, none say forever, like the center of my universe from Forevermark. Less than 1% of the world's diamonds can carry the Forevermark inscription, a promise that each diamond is beautiful, rare, and responsibly sourced. A diamond worthy of a woman as rare as she is and a love as unique as yours. The center of my universe can only be found at an authorized Forevermark jeweler. 
Trinity Jewelers Mount Nebo Road. Discover Forevermark, the diamond, the promise, at Trinity Jewelers. For when you really want to say, I love you forever. Visit trinityjewelers.com. This is Greg Trzynski from the Original Mattress Factory. Our local approach to manufacturing and retail has been at the core of our business model for over 30 years. We're proud to be a part of this community where you aren't just our customer, you're our neighbor. We believe in the power of supporting small businesses and feel it's more important now than ever. So consider shopping local this holiday season to support the restaurants, retailers, service providers, and manufacturers that are at the heart of this community. We wish you a happy and healthy holiday season. When you're shopping for a new mattress, knowledge is power. That's why transparency is at the heart of everything we do at the Original Mattress Factory. All of our mattresses are hand-built and hometown-made. And our factories are open to the public, so you can see exactly how we make each product. While the mattress industry often makes shopping confusing on purpose, the Original Mattress Factory shows you exactly what we're made of. Visit your local OMF location to see the Original Mattress Factory difference for yourself. Merry Christmas. This is Dean Gartland, president of City Mission. It has been a challenging year. Thank you for supporting City Mission through these uncertain times. I'm reminded of the words of Jesus, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Your generosity has helped us to be a light in the darkness for so many in need. The need is growing and City Mission will be there, but only with your continued support. Please visit us at citymission.org and let your light shine today. God bless you this Christmas season. Save up to $1,000 this week at Mattress Warehouse and get a free box spring or adjustable base with select purchases. Save up to 50% off select mattresses and for a limited time, get free delivery on all orders over $4.99. Visit sleephappens.com for a location near you. We are everywhere on your radio at 101.5 WORD-FM Pittsburgh at wordfm.com, the Word FM mobile app, iHeart, TuneIn, and at radio.com. Tonight we'll see mainly clear skies. Expect a low tonight of 25. Tomorrow, increasing cloudiness. Tomorrow will reach a high of 43. Tomorrow night, mostly cloudy skies with a low of 34. Friday will wrap up the work week with a couple of rain or snow showers. Friday will see a high of 43. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm forecaster Drew Shannon. If you're working from home, obviously your office attire, whatever you deem your office to be, has changed radically. Mm -hmm. I saw an article uh, in today's Times uh, talking about a young woman, uh, Rebecca Rittenberger, 28 years old, who works in advertising sales for Google in New York City. She says one of her favorite parts about going to the office was showing up in a funky, cool, professional outfit. Smart pair of pants, colorful or patterned blouses, blazers, skirts, dresses, heeled boots, designer sneakers were all part of her wardrobe. Now, <laughs> saying she might not go back to the uh, office maybe next summer or beyond. So she's downsized. She's taken all of those funky clothes. She's packed them up, given most of them away. And she's wearing this casualization outfit now. Mm-hmm. Now, um, retailers have noticed this trend. And of course, you know, Bloomingdale's or other retailers are looking um, at cashmere pants, flat shoes, 
pants with elastic waistbands and other comfy apparel. Other brands are doing, you know, the same thing. So it's making a whole new trend in so-called office comfort. Mm-hmm. I'll be honest, I, I got to know what it'd be like to wear a pair of cashmere pants. Can you imagine how much you've got to work in sales and Google? To yeah, exactly. Pants. To afford cashmere pants. Come on, who's doing that? You now, tried the, to afford a cashmere scarf and it didn't even work. It didn't work out well for me. Um, Old Navy, their sales are up 40% this year. Is the that gap, right? 35%. Yeah. Banana Republic, they are plummeting down by 40%. Yeah. Other big retailers, you know, the those high-end people, they're trying to reinvent themselves. Of course, you know, those fabled ones for men, Brooks Brothers, they've declared bank- bankruptcy. So it's a whole new trend now as people are working from home. Okay. Now go back to that article, John, because one of the words that was included in the headline is something I'm not familiar with. It's called the Codigan. Yes. Could you Goodbye, tell me what a Codigan actually is? Uh, it, the Codigan, you know, like a cardigan mm-hmm. is a coat, like a cardigan coat, right? People are going to like hang, like, like, so it's like a sweater coat. Exactly. So we're talking off air here today. You're going, I'm cold here at my house today. Oh, big right? time. So you would need a Codigan. Right? Listen, I have several Codigans. Oh, I just really? did not. Well, I didn't know that that's what they were called. Huh. But I have several long sweaters that are, you know, like a long, like a coat would be, but they're sweaters. And I, listen, I've worn them every year in winter, you know, no matter pandemic or not. Pre-pandemic, you're wearing Pre-pandemic. the coat. So I feel really? like maybe I'm a trendsetter. Huh. Do you Who think, knew? John? Yeah, I mean, you know, I look at your fashion. Yeah, that doesn't you know? seem, that's not a hearty endorsement. Well, no, no, I look at your fashion sense. Now, granted, things have suffered a little bit since the pandemic. You think? Right? <laughs> I mean, I don't want to tell secrets out of school, but you're currently wearing a hot water bottle. Mm-hmm, I am. I mean. Yeah, yeah it, you know, for those of you who wish that we would be streaming right now on Facebook, I'm glad we're not, simply because yeah. it's so cold in my spare room. I ha- am wearing a hot water bottle inside my sweatshirt. I've never seen the look mm-hmm. and I it's can't not a good one. <laughs> no, it's not a good look. Mm-hmm. No, really. It's, it, it could be like, you know, you've got a tumor thing going on there. Something. Yeah. Just, well, you know, listen, when it's cold and you're working from home and you don't have insulated windows, you do what you have to do. Yeah. Uh, to be honest, I've not seen a hot water bottle for a long time. I don't think we own a hot water bottle <gasps> here in the whole household. I use no. a hot water bottle every single day. What? Yep. Every day. You walk around with a hot no, water bottle? I don't wa- no, I never walk around with it, only because I'm so cold right now. But every night, like when I'm getting, you know, after I've, you know, made dinner and the dishes are done and all that, I sit down under a blanket with a hot water bottle. <laughs> Heck yeah. <laughs> Look, I thought I knew you pretty well. This is something brand new that I this didn't know is, about you. Now you know the real me. Sometimes Dude. I go and put it in my bed before I brush my teeth. Holy smokes. All That's right, right people. Uh, do you have multiple hot water bottles? No, I just have the one. Just the one. I mean, it looks like a hearty one. It is. And, I've had it for many years. It's working uh-huh. just fine. The things you know, from the Codigan to the hot water bottle, it's all here on the ride home. We'll take a quick break, come back. We're going to talk with a professor of Old Testament, a scholar, Dr. Tremper Longman, is with us next. Don't miss this. Back to the Old Testament in just a few minutes.
101.5 WORD. On the next Adventures in Odyssey, Kids Radio has a new radio host. Ask Dr. Wise. Seems like he has answers to important questions. Yeah, Dr. Wise, how do you broil a salmon? But there's somebody else that has the town talking. And I've got to get the scoop on Prank Man. Who is Dr. Wise? Who is Prank Man? And how do you broil a salmon? These are just hard questions. But find out on the next Adventures in Odyssey. Tonight at 8 on 101.5 Word FM, W-O-R-D. If you owe back taxes, there's a lot you need to know, starting with rule number one. Don't mess with the IRS. They are cracking down this year by sending out heart-stopping letters, actively garnishing paychecks, levying bank accounts, and putting liens on homes and businesses. That's all true, but it's also true there's a way out. It's called the Fresh Start Initiative, an important government program for tax debt assistance. It's one of the biggest breaks the IRS has ever offered, so now's the time. You could qualify for tax relief that saves you thousands, even tens of thousands. Nobody knows this program like the award-winning experts at Optima Tax Relief. They have an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau and will fight to get you the best deal possible. Don't mess with the IRS. For tax help you need, for tax help you can trust, call Optima now for a free consultation. Call 800-965-1433. 800-965-1433. 800-965-1433. Optima Tax Relief. Some restrictions apply. For complete details, please visit OptimaTaxRelief.com. When the earth stands between you and a finished project, you need E&K Excavation. Whether you have to dig it, grade it, drain it, prep it, stabilize it, shape it, clear it, or dispose of it, E&K Excavation has over 100 years of combined experience and a fleet of heavy equipment to help you bend it to your will. They can handle any size project for your home or business, providing quality results on time and on budget. For a free quote, visit E&K excavation.com they'll move the earth for you at ekexcavation.com merry christmas this is dean gartland president of city mission it has been a challenging year thank you for supporting city mission through these uncertain times i'm reminded of the words of jesus let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father in heaven your generosity has helped us to be a light in the darkness for so many in need the need is growing and city mission will be there but only with your continued support please visit us at city mission and let your light shine today. God bless you this Christmas season. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. Looking for the perfect present? Then head to the perfect place. Stop by your neighborhood Ace and find the best gifts from brands like Steel, Eagle, and Milwaukee, or Traeger, Weber, and Yeti. And to help make sure your gifts are under your tree on time, you can shop in-store, online, or on the Ace app. Pick up in-store, curbside, or get them delivered. Get amazing deals on the best gifts when you wrap it in red at Ace at participating stores. Years ago, a buddy of mine became a Christian, probably about, he was probably 40 years old. He said to me in passing, holy smokes, I'm reading the book of Proverbs. I can't believe the wisdom I've learned. Mm. What have I been thinking? And I, I think that's true for a lot of people. The first time you read the book of Proverbs, where you slowly make your way through, you're shocked, right? I mean, there it is. It's been sitting on your shelf or, you know, hidden from right. you all this time. You finally wake up. Well, Dr. Tremper Longman is with us. Dr. Tremper Longman, distinguished scholar, professor emeritus of biblical studies at Westmont College in Santa Barbara, California, the author of more than 30 books. His latest and timely is called The Bible and the Ballot, Using Scripture in Political Decisions. Dr. Tremper Longman here to talk to us today about Proverbs. Dr. Longman, welcome to the show. How are you? Hey, great, John. Hi, Kathy. Good to be with you again. 
Yeah, nice to hear from you, Tremper. Okay, so for people who haven't investigated the book of Proverbs, tell us about it. Sure. Uh, The book of Proverbs uh, is uh, interesting in that it has kind of a preface. (laughs) Proverbs 1 through Proverbs 1, 1 through 7 basically tells us that it's about wisdom, that if you read this book uh, and take it to heart, you will become more wise. And then it goes on to, uh, as you read on, you realize that wisdom involves kind of a practical skill of living, what we might call emotional intelligence, but also it's it's ethical guidance. A wise person is a righteous person. And most fundamentally, a wise person has the right relationship with God. He's, you yes. know, mm-hmm. he, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And, and Tremper, the, the author of the book of Proverbs, is it multiple people chiming in or one person? Uh, it's multiple people. Uh, I think Solomon's kind of the father figure here of the book as he's announced in one one, uh, but we know that by the end of his life, the book of Proverbs wasn't a completed thing because we have Proverbs twenty five one, which talks about the men of Hezekiah who lived about three hundred years after Solomon, uh, who had added more Proverbs of Solomon, but uh, but also we have mention of wise men in chapters twenty three and twenty four sort of anonymous wise men who contributed to it, and then Agur and Lemuel at the end of the book. So um, so we can't reconstruct the growth of the book from the beginning, but, um, but what we have now is likely a collection of Proverbs. And even think about it, Proverbs are like jokes. You know, you don't sit down to write them. They kind of arise out of mm-hmm. situations. So Solomon might be more uh, himself might be not only a formulator of, but also a collector of Proverbs. Okay. Now, when you sit down to read Proverbs, it's not like you're reading a story. And it's not even <laughs> yeah, like right. what, you know, once you get past the initial chapters of Proverbs that you're going to see, you know, one cohesive thought or concept yeah. or subject that's going to take you through a chapter. Yeah, it's kind of like life, right? It's Yeah, <laughs> it's, a good point. Uh, And I think that I think that's the point, you know, so especially when you come to chapter 10 and following, when you get the Proverbs per se, you know, in the earlier chapters, you get these mini lectures or speeches. But when you come to Proverbs 10, you start getting the pithy two liners like lazy lazy hands are soon poor, hard workers get rich. And um, and um, but, you know, there's a proverb about laziness. And then you'll find another one about laziness three chapters later and then six chapters later. And, but it is, I think that's intentional because otherwise you might think of it as uh, something that would, you know, give you kind of a systematic, uh, mm-hmm. coherent, everything you could say about laziness kind of thing, rather than kind of reflecting the randomness of life as well. We're usually dealing with multiple issues at one time, aren't we? Yes. 
We are. Oops, no, that, brings up an, that brings up an important question I have for you. Um, yeah. You know, you brought up uh, poverty or laziness, or um, there yeah, are several right. proverbs that have to do with, um, um, you know, I'm thinking of he who doesn't work doesn't eat, but that's from, I believe that's from First Thessalonians. But the idea is present in Proverbs. Yeah, and it right. brings yeah. to mind the number of times that, that, um, that Proverbs can be used well, and then times when Proverbs can be used poorly. Yeah, exactly. So um, Proverbs are true when applied to the right situation. And Proverbs, um, you know, um, so uh, so you can't use them to evaluate people. If you see somebody who's poor, you can't say, oh, well, they must be lazy. Uh, because there are other Proverbs that talk about uh, how somebody works really hard because an injustice comes along, then they lost it all. So, um, so you got to be careful how you use Proverbs. They're always true when applied to the right situation, but a wise person is somebody who not only knows the principles of Proverbs, they also know situations well enough and people well enough to know when to apply a certain proverb to a certain situation. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know, so, so that's why you even have what are often called contradictory proverbs, like Proverbs 26, 4, and 5. Answer a fool according to his folly, or you'll be like him yourself. Don't answer a fool according to his folly. You know, so you have um, you have the, or, you know, answer a fool according to his folly, or he'll be wise in his own eyes. Don't answer a fool according to his folly. Uh, don't answer a fool, or uh, you'll be like him yourself. So, um so the question is, what kind of fool are you talking to? You got to analyze the situation, hmm. um, and so um, and that's true of every proverb. Um, and the other thing to know about proverbs is they don't give guarantees. You know what they do is they're telling you the best route to a desired conclusion, all other things being equal. So it's typically the case if you're lazy, you're going to be poor, but maybe you've inherited a trust fund or something. <laughs> Or, or hard workers, you know, that's the best route to a desired conclusion. Uh, but uh, material, you know, uh, success. But, but, uh, but other things might come along and undermine that. Um, right. So, don't think of promises. Uh, don't think of proverbs as promises. Think of them as good advice. All other things being equal. Dr. Trumper Longman is with us. He, he is an Old Testament scholar. So, Trumper, um, the Proverbs, essentially, what I'm, I'm hearing you say is that they could be conceived as a toolbox in some way. And, and yeah. if they were, right, it would re- require you to have a familiar familiarity with those tools, a working knowledge, yeah. so to speak. So, you know, as you go about your life, and someone like yourself, who is an Old Testament scholar, obviously you've spent many, many hours studying, reading, thinking, praying on the Proverbs. So when situations come up in your life, you instantly go back because you have spent that time, you've invested all that energy into those Proverbs, and you have those tools at your disposal. So for those of us who yeah. are not biblical scholars, what is the, the, the correct path to use Proverbs so that we can have that wisdom embedded in us as well? Well, you don't have to be a scholar, John, to be a student of Scripture and uh, you know, be reading the Proverbs, just like reading the Psalms and other parts of the text. 
sort of filing them away in your mind. But the other thing that you need to be doing is is reading uh, people and and reading situations. Um, being a reflective person is is something that's very important to wisdom to to have experiences to be ob- observe them to learn from our mistakes. Um, those are all things that are highly prized by the book of Proverbs, which is also why, you know, kind of the default in in the Bible is the older you are, the wiser you are. But that's only true if you have learned from your experiences. Mm-hmm. And of course, the book of Job gives us examples of old foolish people because they haven't learned from their experiences and they're applying proverbial wisdom in a rather, um, you know, awkward way, you know, uh, using them as if they are making promises. Mm-hmm. True. Now, Tremper, it's no accident that uh, the book starts out talking about wisdom because it seems like you can gain wisdom from reading Proverbs, but you have to be wise to know how to use the Proverbs that you're reading. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and um, and so you have these a uh, couple of interesting Proverbs in chapter 26 that get to that. One of them says, uh, verse 7 says, like the useless legs of one who is slain is a proverb in the mouth of a fool. In other words, you can know the proverb, but if you mm-hmm. don't know how to use them. And then even more uh, yeah, more uh, scary is like a thorn bush in a drunkard's hand is a proverb in the mouth of a fool. You know, the idea that uh, wow. it's not only useless. But that's it's scary, isn't it? Dangerous. <laughs> yeah, right, right. So, um, so again, it's, it's never, you know, and the interesting thing about wisdom too, is that, uh, it's not, it, it, wisdom is something that you can grow in. Um, and Proverbs is there to help you grow in wisdom as is all of scripture actually. Right. And, uh, and, and, um, So you never come to a sort of, I'm wise, I'm done. And the other thing that Solomon himself illustrates is you can lose wisdom, you know, wisdom's not like getting, wisdom's not like getting a doctorate, you know, or, or you'll always have the doctorate, but if you, um, if you, um, but you can lose wisdom and, and Solomon lost it because his love of foreign women led him to worship other gods. Yes. So, Chamber, with just a few seconds left, then would you offer some encouragement for people who who look at Proverbs and maybe they're leery of it or unknown about how it might work? It's an important thing to do is to study and to read, to to wade deep into the book of Proverbs, isn't it? It sure is. And uh, read them closely, but also read them mindful of what we've been talking about. Uh, Don't turn them into promises. um, And also realize that, like all Proverbs, whether they're Hebrew or English or Chinese, uh, they're meant to be applied to the right situation and mm. aren't universally valid for everyone. That's very good. Well, Tremper, thanks so much. We always appreciate your time here with us. A valuable lesson today from the book of Proverbs. Dr. Tremper Longman, his Lewis book is called The Bible and the Ballot Using Scripture in Political Decisions. Dr. Tremper Longman. Of all the women in the world, you chose her. She is the one. 
you can't live without. How will you tell her, I love you forever? You tell her with a diamond. From Trinity Jewelers. And of all the diamonds in the world, none say forever, like the center of my universe from Forevermark. Less than 1% of the world's diamonds can carry the Forevermark inscription, a promise that each diamond is beautiful, rare, and responsibly sourced. A diamond worthy of a woman as rare as she is, and a love as unique as yours. The center of my universe can only be found at an authorized Forevermark jeweler. Trinity Jewelers Mount Nebo Road. Discover Forevermark, the diamond, the promise, at Trinity Jewelers. For when you really want to say, I love you forever. Visit trinityjewelers.com. If you owe back taxes, there's a lot you need to know, starting with rule number one. Don't mess with the IRS. They are cracking down this year by sending out heart-stopping letters, actively garnishing paychecks, levying bank accounts, and putting liens on homes and businesses. That's all true, but it's also true there's a way out. It's called the Fresh Start Initiative, an important government program for tax debt assistance. It's one of the biggest breaks the IRS has ever offered, so now's the time. You could qualify for tax relief that saves you thousands. Even tens of thousands. Nobody knows this program like the award-winning experts at Optima Tax Relief. They have an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau and will fight to get you the best deal possible. Don't mess with the IRS. For tax help you need, for tax help you can trust, call Optima now for a free consultation. Call 800-965-1433. 800-965-1433. Optima Tax Relief. Some restrictions apply. For complete details, please visit OptimaTaxRelief.com. At Eden Christian Academy, hope is rising. Hope that is secure in God, that builds faith, and inspires a love that can't be stopped. Eden is where parents find hope in a true educational partner, where students see faith woven into every subject, and where teachers model the love of Christ to every child from pre-K through 12th grade. Schedule a personal tour at any of their three North Hills campuses and witness the hope, faith, and love that Eden can offer your child at EdenChristianAcademy.org. Merry Christmas. This is Dean Gartland, president of City Mission. It has been a challenging year. Thank you for supporting City Mission through these uncertain times. I'm reminded of the words of Jesus, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Your generosity has helped us to be a light in the darkness for so many in need. The need is growing and City Mission will be there, but only with your continued support. Please visit us at citymission.org and let your light shine today. God bless you this Christmas season. A request by a grandson of Warren G. Harding to prove his lineage with scientific certainty by exhuming exhuming the body of Warren Harding uh, has been denied by a judge in Ohio. James Blessing, whose grandmother, Nan Britton, wrote a tell-all book in 1928 about her affair with the 29th president, had already had the relationship established with help from Ancestry.com and DNA samples from two Harding descendants. But one faction of the Harding family was dismissive of Mr. Blessing and cast doubt on Ancestry.com genealogy because it was a relatively new, though reliable, method. So Mr. Blazing sought to go further to establish direct proof that President Harding was indeed his grandfather. 
Now, once the judge has ruled that we're not going to exhume the, uh, the, the dead president, president yeah. the, the president's family, the nephews that were remaining, said, okay, we get it. You pushed it to the, to the limit here. We do recognize you now as the grandfather <gasps> of our uncle. Wait, the grand, wait, the grandson. The grandson of our uncle, yes. The, the grandfather of our, of our uncle. uncle. All of a sudden, a it's like Terminator. We're time traveling. I don't I've know what's happening. I just lost faith in Ancestry.com, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean... Uh, That's really interesting. Okay, so it's a, it's a for sure thing then. It is a for sure thing. Now, the book, which was written in 1928... Um, is it available talk- on Amazon? Well, I don't know, because I must have been scandalous for a time, for, yeah. for the time. Talked about the affair, quote in a small closet in the anteroom in the West Wing. What the wow. heck is going on? I don't I mean, know what's going on. Boy, there's a lot of there's a lot of shaky presidential history, I'll tell you right now. Those White House walls could talk, exactly. right? Exactly. Yeah, keep the dead where they dead. need to be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 101.5 WORDFM Pittsburgh. On your smart speaker by saying, play the word, Pittsburgh. And on your phone via the Word FM mobile app, iHeart, TuneIn, and at Radio.com. With SRN News, I'm John Scott. U.S. hospitals slammed with COVID-19 patients are trying to lure nurses and doctors out of retirement. Recruiting students and new graduates who have yet to earn their licenses. And offering eye-popping salaries in a desperate effort to ease staffing shortages. The number of U.S. patients in the hospital with the virus has more than doubled over the past month to a record high of nearly 100,000, pushing medical centers and healthcare workers to the breaking point. U.S. health officials say staying home for the upcoming holidays, that's the best way to stay safe and protect others. But for those who ignore the advice, COVID-19 testing before and after trips is an option many Americans did not follow. The CDC guidance over traveling uh, over the Thanksgiving holiday. On Wall Street, stocks finishing mixed. The Dow gained 59 points. The Nasdaq down five. The S&P picked up six. This is SRN News. We're all thinking a lot more about staying safe these days. Windows R Us Pittsburgh is no different. When it comes to working around your home, Windows R Us remains committed to the safety of you and your family. For roofs, gutters, and downspouts, siding, and, of course, windows, Windows R Us Pittsburgh can answer the call. With over 50 years of home remodeling experience, Windows R Us has earned its reputation as the area's premier exterior replacement company. And all work will be done in strict compliance with the government's social distancing guidelines. If you've had damage, you may be eligible for a free repair or replacement. Visit windowsrspittsburgh.com for a free inspection from one of the highly trained appraisers. You'll love their no-pressure approach, no hidden fees, and one of the fastest turnaround times in the industry from a company that will never skip town when it comes to honoring their warranty. Why pay double? Trust the area's premier exterior replacement company, windowsrspittsburgh.com. That's windowsrspittsburgh.com. Let's say you've decided to build a bicycle from scratch. Sounds like an impossible project for my skills, but let's say you've got the skills and I offer you an advantage, a special tool that would help you build the bike faster while saving you legitimate money. My guess is you'd say, bring it on. If you wouldn't, well, then this commercial isn't going to make much sense. My name is Ryan. I'm from United Faith Mortgage, and we believe we have an advantageous tool for you. Our mortgage team is lucky to have a direct lender advantage. Our company is set up to use its own money and make its own lending decisions within its own walls. And often, this advantage allows us to get your refinance or new home loan done faster and get you a better rate, which saves you monthly and lifelong money. 
Rates are historically low. Now is the time to see how our special tool might work for you. We are United Faith Mortgage. United Faith Mortgage is a DBA of United Mortgage Corp. 25 Millville Park Road, Melville, New York. Licensed mortgage banker. For all licensing information, go to animalistconsumeraccess.org. Corporate animalist number 1335. Rack animalist number 65233. Equal housing lender. I license in Alaska, Hawaii, Georgia, Massachusetts, North Dakota, South Dakota, or Utah. I'm Dr. Andrea Russo, a cardiologist. Maybe you're waiting to talk to your doctor right now. But if you're having an irregular heartbeat, heart racing, chest pain, shortness of breath, fatigue, or lightheadedness, don't wait. This could be a serious condition like atrial fibrillation, which can make you about five times more likely to have a stroke. If you're having these symptoms, don't wait. Talk to a doctor by phone, online, or in person. Brought to you by Bristol-Myers Squibb and Pfizer. To serve as a ruling elder is a high and holy office. RPTS now offers five flexible online courses to help you shepherd the Church of God. The Ruling Elders Program features courses on biblical counseling, interpretation, worship, the church, care and administration, plus preaching at elective options that best fit your ministry paradigm. No papers, no exams, just solid biblical teaching from experienced pastor professors. Individual and group rates available. RPTS, study under pastors. Learn more at rpts.edu. Tonight we'll see mainly clear skies. Expect a low tonight of 25. Tomorrow, increasing cloudiness. Tomorrow will reach a high of 43. Tomorrow night, mostly cloudy skies with a low of 34. Friday, we'll wrap up the work week with a couple of rain or snow showers. Friday, we'll see a high of 43. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm forecaster Drew Shannon. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. It's a fair question to ask. In the midst of a pandemic, how are you sleeping? Kath, mm. you want to answer that? Oh, really poorly. Thank you for asking. Poorly? You're mm-hmm. sleeping poorly? Really? Yeah, I haven't. I mean, at the very beginning of the pandemic, I slept well. Um, but you know, as the pandemic you know became longer and longer and longer, it started to affect more things. Hmm. And I think those things tended to produce, you know, different bits of angst or anxiety in more in me, especially having to do with your kids. Um, when you're you know, it, right. it's just there's a lot going on. And then, you know, my husband's work and, you know, the three of us trying to figure out how to do this from mm-hmm. home for an extended mm-hmm. period. It just a lot of things end up kind of messing with my sleep pattern. I get that. Okay. Now, I, uh, on the other side, I'm sleeping like a little baby here. Yeah. I'm feeling real good about it. Uh, Mike, you're the tiebreaker. Are you sleeping well or poorly? I've been sleeping well. Yeah. I've been there sleeping like a baby. Okay, good. Yeah. All right. Good. Well, here, listen, the year 2020 been the worst year ever for American sleep. According to new research, the study asked 2,000 uh, 2, Americans about their sleeping habits over this tumultuous year. The result found that 51% say this year is the worst year mm-hmm. for their sleep ever. In addition, 42% of the respondents said they can't even remember the last time they got a good night's sleep. Holy wow. smokes. Fittingly, six in 10 of those surveyed also said they plan to make sleep a top priority next year. 
Wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't that be nice? Sleep's my th- top priority next year. Okay, that- but did it? It didn't say the article. Perhaps why people said they were having bad sleep in 2020. Sure. Or does it um, go without saying? The culprit for poor sleep was by consuming too much news. Thirty-four yeah, percent said right, that. Sure. Another 22% of those polled said spending too much time with their family during quarantine has also taken a toll on their beauty rest. <laughs> Other trends that okay. had a negative impact on respondents, including Zoom call fatigue, yes. burnout while working from home, right. and staying up too late watching Netflix. There we go. Now Let's we're get to talk- the heart of the matter. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it's not angst over kids and like whether grandma's going to be okay. It's that, right. you know, I keep watching the queen's gambit and can't stop myself. Right. Okay. Now, do you have a regular bedtime? No. Oh, see, I do have a do regular Do you know bedtime. me? Yeah. You like, you're a night owl. I have a regular, every night I'm in bed at 1030. <gasps> at 1030? What? 1030. And I feel you... good about it. I have without any apologies. I'm happy. I'm smiling as I get under those covers. And I'm telling you, I'm sleeping like a little baby. Wait a minute. I did not. I can't believe you are in bed every night at 1030. 1030. Yeah. <gasps> I mean, the rare night, like like over this past weekend, like over the Thanksgiving holiday, I was like, I'm going to stay up late. I'm going to stay up. And then, you know, like I used to be in, I used to be up till 5 a.m. It was like 1130 the other day. I was like, oh, I got to go to bed. I'm really exhausted. I've had this too much wow. for me. I mean, I can't think of a. I'm never in bed before midnight ever. What? Ever midnight? So, I mean, the other night I was in. I went to bed at two o five. Two o five. There's no way. I, I just don't have that horsepower in me anymore. I'm happy to be at ten thirty, and that feels good about it. All right. Well, fortunately, I mean, the reason I can do that, I'm just, I'm just on a. I'm. I mean, I'm a night owl anyway. But we're on a late clock because you know we're working until six thirty, six forty five, and then I have to go make dinner. Like the whole night ends up being late. Right. Um. Yeah. And Push I can back. sleep. And I can sleep in in the morning. You know what I mean? So I can, if I stay up till two, I can sleep in till nine because you know we're not in the air then. Right. I don't know. And, and I don't have little kids like Mike does. Okay, one more question. I mean, I wasn't what? sleeping until nine when I had little kids. I'll tell you that right now. So when you go, when you finally make the commitment to go to bed, do you fall asleep quickly, Mike, Kath? I don't. I, I can't oh. fall asleep quickly. I don't even have a regular bedtime schedule. I wish I was like you, John. But like mm-hmm. Kath said, I have a little one and... We are uh, we're trying to uh, get him disciplined in a regular bedtime, which is around eight eight thirty, and sometimes he likes to get up in the middle of the night. Well, I'd come over and give him a little talk. <laughs> oh, that <laughs> yeah, would help. Need, yeah, come on over. <laughs> that we would try really anything clarify. right now. We are desperate. Yeah, the, really clarify uh, things. John Hall's here. He wants to say <laughs> yes. a few words with you. The Duffy's need never, their sleep. The only times I fall asleep quickly is when I'm watching a movie. Oh, then uh-huh. I fall asleep quickly. But if I'm in my bed, I mean, I'd say thirty minutes. Really? Now, maybe, do you have your phone longer. in bed with you? No. Okay, that's good. That's I do. No. Yeah. But I am. It's you have good. your phone in bed with you, it, Mike? Yeah, I shouldn't. It's, what oh, do you mean you have your phone up. in bed with you? You're looking at your phone? I'm just looking at my phone. And I, it, it, this is ridiculous. See? I, <laughs> oh, I, no. looked, I looked pl- over at my wife, and I, my wife, she was on her phone. The TV was on our bedroom, which. Oh, my God. That, that, was, the, that was a big, big, uh, big mistake. We put our TV in our bedroom like two weeks ago. Horrible yeah. mistake. Yeah. So we're up. Don't we're on that. technology. We're on our phone or watching TV. Yeah. yeah. No screens in the bedroom. Right. Mm-hmm. Can't That's have that. Do. No, you cannot. All right. Well, all right. Well, all we can say, John, is we wish we were living your life. Two words. My pillow. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm just kidding. Take a quick break. Dean Weaver is with us coming up next. Do not miss it.
in a few. WORD. These uncertain times can challenge us in many ways, but we still have hope in Christ. On the next Focus on the Family, Pastor John Burke offers a glimpse of heaven. Based on 35 years of research and over a thousand stories backed by Scripture, you'll be encouraged and reminded of the eternal hope we have in Christ. Next time on Focus on the Family. Tonight at 8.30 on 101.5 WORD. Join Thrivent and friends for an exclusive Home for the Holidays virtual concert featuring Matthew West and special guest singer-songwriter Josh Wilson. Sing along to your favorite Christmas classics as Thrivent celebrates a year's worth of generosity. This free virtual concert happens 6 p.m. Sunday, December 6th. Treat yourself to the sounds of this joyous season. Pre-register online at Eventbrite. Search Thrivent Home for the Holidays Matthew West. That's Thrivent Home for the Holidays Matthew West at Eventbrite.com. When I go to the mall and those nice people at the kiosk in the middle try to sell me their product, I'm the guy just jetting on by. I'm not rude, but my head is down and my brain is not interested. And yet today, I'm the guy trying to grab your attention. December is a busy month, a month easy to just look down and think about Rudolph and ugly sweaters. But at Our Faith and Family Mortgage Team, we've also learned it's a very popular time for people to think refinance or cash out refinance. The new year is next, and it often brings leftover bills or the desire to start the year fresh and finally use some home equity to do that dream special project. If you're curious about what that would look like for you, we think you'll see that we're a team committed to Word FM, a team that despises even an ounce of pressure, and a team that's set up to move fast and stress-free. We our United Faith Mortgage. We pay your appraisal fees up to $500. That's out-of-pocket money. United Mortgage Court, Melville, New York. MLS number 1330. Department of Banking. Mortgage Lender License number 22672. When the earth stands between you and a finished project, you need E&K Excavation. Whether you have to dig it, grade it, drain it, prep it, stabilize it, shape it, clear it, or dispose of it, E&K Excavation has over 100 years of combined experience and a fleet of heavy equipment to help you bend it to your will. They can handle any size project for your home or business, providing quality results on time and on budget. For a free quote, visit ekexcavation.com. They'll move the earth for you at ekexcavation.com. Hey, are you guys open? Yeah, yeah, we are. Come on in. As businesses reopen across the nation, is your business prepared for what comes next? Salem Surround can help. COVID-19 brought America's thriving economy to a screeching halt. But now, local businesses are getting back to normal. Are you ready for the return to business and all that pent-up consumer demand? Contact Salem Surround. Learn more by logging on to surroundpittsburgh.com. Surroundpittsburgh.com. Connecting you with new customers. Boy, things got complicated in the election, didn't they? I mean, relationships were frayed and, you know, churches were places of a lot of discordant thinking and pastors had a hard time trying to deal with parishioners or congregants who thought different about or thought differently about different candidates. And, you know, one oh. of the issues that I think most Christians agree on is abortion, right? Is we, we believe that um, from, from birth to death, from birth to natural death um, and is God's domain is we should be in favor of life. But we also believe that God has um, engineered life from the very beginning, from conception. 
Um, but you know, this year Christians were um, in large part, in some ways, confused because maybe they didn't want to vote for the president for other reasons, but they appreciated his pro-life stance. And then there were other people that were saying, "Well, you know what? Just voting for a candidate who's pro-life is not really being pro-life because being pro-life is a bigger issue, and it has to do with taking care of women, taking care of children, increasing um, a government's." Um, commitment financially to to people, especially those who are raising little kids. Anyway, there are a lot of questions about that and how Christianity kind of um, can be conservative. Christianity can be progressive, and that makes for a lot of infighting. Well, to talk about some of the particulars of that, and maybe to share a couple stories about how difficult it is to be a pastor in these times, we're happy to have the Reverend Dr. Dean Weaver back with us. Dean is the senior pastor at Memorial Park Evangelical Presbyterian Church. Dean, glad to have you. How are things? Well, I, I want you to know that the entire fate of a football game may rest Don't on Don't say the anything. Two of you. We're not, okay, good. We're not, not saying anything. Good. I'm not home wearing my jersey, and that could throw the whole thing in jeopardy. Oh, so I just wow. want you to know it could, it, it, for 10 games, I've worn the same jersey at home. Oh, but no, for you guys, I'm in my office so that we have a clear, nice signal. So I just want of all Pittsburgh to know that this rests on you. Uh, just, just so we're clear on that in the onset. All right. Well, then, then let's keep this real short, then, Dean. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. All right, Dean. So, so talk about first. Um, I mean, I probably am thinking I did not exaggerate the difficult position that pastors are in right now, especially just to finishing out an election cycle. Well, and it was it was doubly weird, uh, Kathy, because of COVID. Right. Uh, the you had, uh, we've never been more uh, divided as a nation. Um, you know, of course, all of the uh, issues around racial inequity uh, over the last number of months um, add COVID, add the elections. Um, it, it's just been, um, it, it's just been an explosive time. And those kinds of um, tensions and divisions have been felt. And as you indicated earlier, in families, they've been, they've been felt in the workplace, they've been felt in churches, um, very few churches are monolithic in terms of their voting. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, everybody who is a Republican thinks that everybody in their church is a Republican and should be, and everybody who's a Democrat thinks everybody in their church is a Democrat and should be. Uh, the reality is very few churches are monolithic politically, and uh, that creates um, a, a lot of tension, especially as you come close to election time. And all of those issues like abortion are thrown into such stark contrast. Right. Okay. So, but Dean, you know, the narrative is for most Christians, as Kath alluded to, is that I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. Therefore, I believe in the sanctity of life. Um, So it's always surprising when you meet someone who is a Christian and they go, well, you know, I'm pro-choice. And and maybe, you know, at the same time, I'm pro-choice. I'm also a progressive Christian, which also is fraught with all, all sorts of definitions and, and weird energy as well. So I, I guess the question is, you know, can you be a Christian and can you be pro-choice? So if weird energy, is that the word I just heard you use? <laughs> That's the term, weird energy. Weird, I did say progressive Christian. Yeah. That's that's did, because there's did. a Steeler game that started at 3:40. That's what weird energy brings that's you. Weird energy. Weird energy. Okay. Yes. So you know, I, I think first of all, you got to back up and say, look, what is the what is the foundational thing in which I mean, any person can say I'm a Christian, and they might mean that from having a faith experience with Christ, with a deep walk, 
Someone could say it sociologically, they assent to the basic tenets of the Judeo-Christian tradition. Uh, there are all kinds of people on the spectrum that would uh, self-identify as Christian who, who may have virtually nothing in common. And so, you know, the fundamental starting place would say, okay, if you and I are going to have any basis for our conversation in which we might hope to uh, agree or even agree to disagree, can we start with the assumption, is the Bible the infallible, inspired, and errant word of God? And if a person can say that, whether they then understand themselves to be more progressive or to be more conservative, then you've got a basis for having a conversation. Just the word Christian alone is, isn't going to cut it, because what they mean by that can be so fundamentally different. So you could have a person with, with very progressive political beliefs who identifies himself as a Christian who, who may or may not uh, hit the classic definition of what it means to be an Orthodox Christian historically. Uh, and, and yet you could have a person who is more progressive in their views um, politically, who is absolutely a born-again believer. And, and I know people who are, who are both, and I'm sure you guys do too. So I, I don't think someone's uh, political views uh, keeps them from uh, being considered a Christian. Um, but I also don't think because someone tells you that they're a Christian that 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 is automatically the end of the conversation. I think it warrants going a little bit further to say, well, let's let's see if we have some common ground here upon which we can have the discussion. So, for example, if we both agree that the Bible is the inspired and fallible and word of God, uh, however you describe yourself politically, we can have a discussion about what this sanctity of life mean. And then you can have that discussion that hopefully starts with, a, with an assumption that, that we believe in, in, uh, in uh, being against abortion. Now, if, if you have a, a person who says they're a born-again Christian um, and says, no, I'm, I'm pro-choice, you, you're going to have to back up and say, well, tell me what you mean by that. Um, do, do, you, do you do not believe that a, a child in the womb is actually a human being? Or tell me exactly what you, what you mean by that. And what I find is a lot of times, People are actually are pro-life, but they're just having a reaction against um, more conservative Christians who have kind of a one-topic political agenda, which is the abortion mm-hmm. agenda. And and when you unpack things a little further, uh, you know they'll say, "Well, I, I am pro-life, but not in the cape of rape or incest," and or I am pro-life, but up until you know the the, the, the third trimester, we'll have some qualification that enables you to have a discussion about what they mean by that. I rarely come across someone who says, I believe the Bible is the inspired, infallible, and errant word of God, and I believe that it is okay to take the life of a fetus all the way up to the moment that they are born. I, I'm sure there are people out there that might say that, but my goodness, they are such a exceedingly um, rare percentage, mm-hmm. it, it's almost not worth the conversation at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I really do think it starts with, okay, you say you're a Christian, I say I'm a Christian. Let's talk about the foundation upon which we say that and what we mean when we say it. Yeah. Okay. What about, um, how does it change or does it change a conversation between two people who are just trying to kind of get at the truth when, um, especially in an election cycle, we have uh, people of both parties that utilize the scriptures in a way that is just wrong. It's just, you know, it's making, it's kind of trying to squeeze eternal truths into a party platform. Um, you know, two that just pop into my head um, is early uh, before the uh, primaries were decided, Putin 
Pete Buttigieg was talking about minimum wage. And he said, well, if anyone reads Proverbs, you know, they would advocate for increasing the minimum wage. Now, there's nothing in Proverbs <laughs> which talks about increasing the minimum wage, right? Yeah. Um, but it does talk about caring for the poor, right? So right. he has equated caring for the poor with increasing the minimum wage. So that's, you know, I, I think that was an incredibly poor uh, reading of scripture. But then you have Mike Pence, who at the Republican National Convention took, you know, a passage from Hebrews and took out Jesus and put the USA in there. Well, that's also a very poor reading of scripture. And, you know, politicians right. of every stripe, every party do it. How does that enter into the conversation? <laughs> well, and then you you had uh, the President Trump who referred to two Corinthians and you had uh, uh, Biden recently who just referred to uh, the, the palmist. The palmist. <laughs> you know, it, it is, there's nothing new under the sun here, Kathy, that politicians are trying to leverage uh, religion uh, to their advantage to uh, kind of sway their constituents or to manipulate their constituents. And, you know, as Christians, we have to be a little savvier than that and not give people a pass because, you know, you, you either hold to a view that I think is important and yet in everything else you disregard everything that is important or you mispronounce something or you clearly don't understand the context of something or, you know, we have to rise above that. And, and we have to be able to, when we're having conversations with friends, um, we have to be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry, you know, right. listen to the person let them go through what they want to say. Don't don't counter your argument before they're finished because they'll know that you really aren't listening. And when they're done, ask a question or two of clarification that helps them to realize that you are paying attention and you're validating them as a human being so that you can have an actual substantial conversation. And then you say to them, well, would you mind if I shared with you what I'm coming from or ask you a couple of questions to clarify what it is that you're uh, intending to, to, to say? And if you can ask questions and be humble and do uh, some good listening, then there's the possibility. Uh, and during election season, it may be just that, just a possibility that you could have a substantial conversation. But my, oh, my, uh, these circumstances um, make it exceedingly hard. And, uh, you know, we need wisdom from above in order to be able to have conversations like that, even with people who we normally feel very safe with. It's just so charged. Um, and so I think we all need to extend each other a little extra grace. Uh, we all need to be a little less judgmental. Uh, we all need to be a little more patient and do a little better job of listening. And maybe, just maybe, but maybe by the grace of God, we could have conversations that really matter. That's good. Okay, Dean. So then the quality of the words, whether someone calls themselves a Christian or a pro-life or a Democrat or Republican, I mean, those are words, and I, I like your advice. You're just saying, wait a second, we really need to sit down and look each other in the eye and have a conversation, and the truth will find its way if we're you know, really uh, connecting with each other in the way that we should. So if that's the case, then, in these fraught times where we are, you know, disconnected from each other more so than ever, you know, just socially uh, right next to each other, then how are you working through this weird time and still engaging with people in an authentic way? I mean, it, there are some barriers in place here, but are, are you finding your way through this and having some success? Um, I mean, I think some, John, I and mean, obviously the, the place most fraught with danger is social media, right? Um, the 180 characters and all of the other things just does not promote. First of all, it, it, it retrains our brain um, in ways that is working against critical thinking. 
Um, and it, it's not helpful. Too much out of context, too much, uh, too explosive. I've, I've seen very few constructive, healthy, uh, uh, edifying conversations on social media. Probably the, the, the best, although perhaps a poor substitute for face-to-face, the best is, is when people are able to get into a video conversation like a Zoom meeting or something like that. Um, it, is, it is far less good uh, than being in person. The nuances, uh, having a face-to-face conversation, being patient, listening. But it, it's better than on the phone because um, you can at least see a facial expression, whether paying attention to you or not. Um, and it's, it's, it's a poor substitute for in-person but it's better than social media or, or just being on the phone. And you know what? We're, we're going to have to make do for now uh, unless you can find a safe setting where you can meet with someone in person and do it wisely. Um, that day will come again. Um, and until that day comes again, uh, we have to maybe take, um, you know, second place and, and make it do, do for now. That's good. Okay, so speaking of then of being in person, Dean, with just a minute or so left, I mean, we didn't plan this, but uh, we've been hearing the commercials that are uh, running on the on the station here, and just by happenstance to join us today. But Michael Card is headed to Pittsburgh oh. at your church. Yeah, we're so excited, John. In fact, Michael Card and Jeremy Casella are driving up. I keep thinking of planes, trains, and automobiles, but they are driving up from Nashville, <laughs> mm-hmm. and uh, we're going to have an incredible evening. And you know what? We need this, guys. We need this. We need uh, something. It's going to be in person and hybrid. So if if you need to be home to be safe, you can get online at edgenations.org. You can watch it and 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 enter into the Advent and Christmas season uh, with these two incredible, thoughtful musicians. Um, but if you can come in person, what a gift to be able to actually sit in a sanctuary at this time of year and listen to those two gifted artists um, and all of it to benefit an incredible organization, Edunations in Sierra Leone, helping to educate the, uh, the least of these. Mike, are you saying the tickets are available at Word FM right now? Okay, he is nodding. Yes, tickets are available right now at Word FM and also on Facebook. Um, you can find us there at 101.5 Word FM. Also on our website, or on our Facebook page, The Ride Home with John and Kathy. All right, Dean, just a couple minutes. No, it's less than a couple minutes. It's just about 30 seconds. But you're about, I can hardly believe this, to finish your tenure at Memorial Park as senior pastor. Um, talk about what's up for you next. Oh, my goodness gracious. Um, I, uh, January 4th, 3rd is my last sermon here, um, and I will be starting January the 4th in Orlando, Florida, at the national headquarters for our denomination, the Evangelical Presbyterian Church, where I'll uh, take on the leadership role as kind of the lead guy uh, for the denomination. And, um, uh, you know, it's overwhelming. It's exciting. It's, uh, it's a little ominous. Um, we have, uh, you know, almost 700 congregations all around the country, and I'll be kind of the lead person giving uh, kind of pastoral shepherding over that entire group. Still going to be uh, having our home in Pittsburgh, plus a place in Florida, going back and forth. And, um, you know, it's it's still a call to the church, but now it's going to be called to the the larger church, and uh, which includes Memorial Park and Belfield and others. Um, but it is it is uh, going to be a service to the uh, the Bride of Christ in, on the national scale. Very good. Well, congratulations, Dean. I'm well-deserving. You're the right person to wade through these very difficult times. Well, thanks, guys. I love being with you, and if there's any opportunity to do that in the future, I'm always available to appreciate it. Fabulous. And listen, don't forget, uh, Jerry McCasella, uh, he's headed to Pittsburgh, and Michael Card as well. Word FM on Facebook. Get those tickets. 
Merry Christmas. This is Dean Gartland, president of City Mission. It has been a challenging year. Thank you for supporting City Mission through these uncertain times. I'm reminded of the words of Jesus, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Your generosity has helped us to be a light in the darkness for so many in need. The need is growing and City Mission will be there, but only with your continued support. Please visit us at citymission.org and let your light shine today. God bless you this Christmas season. I'm a wife, a sister, and a grandfather. I'm an office clerk. I'm a research analyst, dance fitness instructor, actor. I'm a copywriter. I'm a veteran. I have lupus, cerebral palsy. I'm blind. And I'm working in a job I love. I love. Because I was given a chance to contribute my skills and talents. To show that my disability is only one part of who I am. Who I am. Who I am. At work, it's what people can do that matters. For more information, visit whatcanyoudocampaign.org. Progressive Motorcycle presents Road Wisdom from the Motor. Half man, half motorcycle. In life, there is no stopping. Don't stop. But if you do, make sure no one is behind you. Progressive Motorcycle also presents basic policies starting at $79 a year. Progressive Motorcycle, for those who were born to ride. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Annual premium for basic liability policy is not available in all states. Well, in-person learning at most colleges across the country and at Grove City College here locally have just about ended, if not already. To survive this semester, it required a large measure of planning, good decision-making, and flexibility on the part of the staff and the students. So first and foremost, because of low numbers, kudos to Grove City College for meeting in person from the beginning of the semester until now. That really says a lot about the excellence of Grove City College. Look, um, both Kath and I have kids there. We personally invested in this process. And Kath, although it wasn't perfect, it was a really good semester, wasn't it? Yeah I, yeah, I can't tell you how many times my husband and I talked to our kids and said, you know, thank God that you are in a place where you can actually be in class in person. Now, look, there were all sorts of isolations and quarantines and, you know, like every other college, the last month has been absolute craziness. I've just been grateful for the fact that, as you said, John, people there at Grove City have a strong enough um uh, knowledge and appreciation of authority and they're willing to be able to change things up if they have to at the last minute to just keep things going till the end of the semester. And I don't know, I've just been grateful for them the whole way through. Now, of course, we don't know what next semester or fall of 21 is going to look like, but if you're looking for a quality education, Grove City College, gcc.edu. Listen on your smart speaker, the Word FM app at wordfm.com, iHeart, tune in, and on radio.com, in the car or at home, too, at 101.5 WORDFM, Pittsburgh. Tonight, we'll see mainly clear skies. Expect a low tonight of 25. Tomorrow, increasing cloudiness. Tomorrow, we'll reach a high of 43. Tomorrow night, mostly cloudy skies with a low of 34. Friday, we'll wrap up the work week with a couple of rain or snow showers. Friday, we'll see a high of 43. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm forecaster Drew Shannon. Okay, so when you think about post-Thanksgiving, and I know it's, you know, December 2nd, whatever. So it's, what, tomorrow will be a week from Thanksgiving. Yeah. Are you right now, and this is a personal question, are you done, finished, had your fill of turkey? No. 
No, we're still riding the turkey train here at the Hall household. Right now, at this very moment, downstairs on the stove are the uh, turkey bones. They've been simmering in a pot since 8 a.m. We're going to have ourselves some chicken noodle soup, courtesy of that you know beautiful bird that okay. was here a week or so ago. And I still got some leftovers. I'm ready to do another hot turkey sandwich. Are you really? Okay, oh, yeah. Mike, what about you? Absolutely. Yeah, we had uh, we had some more slop yesterday, uh, which is the old <laughs> mashed potatoes, turkey, and stuffing all mixed together in one. Uh, there were still Off some update. turkey left on the side. So like John, I made myself some uh, hot turkey sandwiches this morning, actually. All right. Okay. So I- I'm making tur- turkey tetrazzini tonight. What is turkey what is tetrazzini? That? Turkey tetrazzini. It's like, it's a mixture of, you put turkey in like a, a, a bechamel sauce with a little hold bit on, of- dr- Hold on. A little bit of- Wait, no, wait. Like Tetrazzini a, and bechamel. What's going yeah. on there? Is this like in a, it sounds like an Italian race that, car. Really, me, this is like the easiest thing in the world. You just what is make, a bechamel? You, well, you make like, it's a, it's a cooked sauce that has flour in it and chicken stock on the stove, salt. You add sherry to it. You combine peas and turkey together with the sauce. So it's a nice, creamy, you know, mm-hmm. smoky sauce. It's very nice. And mm-hmm. then you put it over pasta and you bake it in a, like a casserole dish or a okay. tetrazzini and, and, and has and of course it has breadcrumbs on top. What am I? Okay. That's like one of the main things. You don't want so to. So it's a casserole dish, though. That's the main yeah. deal. Okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's nothing fancy. Right. But as I was as I was making it prior to the show, and as my daughter was finishing up, I thought this might be the last thing I can get away with for the time well, being, turkey wise. It's close, unless you're freezing your turkey, right? I mean. It's reached its shelf life. I think it is. And I think that, um, you know, my husband can't eat the turkey because he's a vegetarian. Mm. And my other daughter doesn't really like it. Uh, so it's just me and my older daughter. And I feel right. like we're, we've put away a lot. And it might be time to just freeze it and maybe wait for another month. How about the uh, the turkey giblets? Yeah, I've never done anything with my those. Graham used to do that all the time, like the turkey heart. Yeah, right. And the the neck and right. all that weird. Then, well, the neck I put in soup, but I don't. Yeah. I've never done anything. I don't know what to do with the giblets. The Some giblets. people make gravy out of them, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You might want to try that. That right? sounds disgusting. Yeah. Have the giblets left away? Are they gone? I froze them. Oh, you froze them. Okay. Because right. I was thinking, I was thinking that I'd look into it. Well, you could surprise the family, like Fourth of July giblets. <laughs> <laughs> you know, hey, what's this? What's the topping on the burger? Oh, that's some giblets. With a side of chicken yeah. legs. Yeah, it's my pandemic oh, that's so giblets. Feet. That's mm-hmm. disgusting. That's disgusting. Yeah, something hey, left over from the COVID era. Hey, you know what I did, though, this year? And I know you didn't ask, but I'm going to tell you anyway. Okay. Um, I made my own gravy, mm-hmm. and I did it for the second time. I, I started making my own gravy last year. Yep. I'd always done, you know, the canned. The Heinz thing. thing the Heinz thing, because, you know, yep. I'm a Heinz family. Um, but it's nothing, I mean, nothing in a can is as good as you can make it at home. So I thought, well, I'm way past time for me to figure out how to make gravy. Anyway, I got this recipe from the Barefoot Contessa that you make the gravy base days ahead of time. And then you have it in your refrigerator. And mm. then once the turkey's out, you take it out of the pan, you put the roasting pan on the heat, you just add the turkey base that you cooked like three or four days ago, and then it's ready in a hot minute. Yeah. You know, when you're talking to guys about making gravy, my eyes just glazed over about 30 sizes. I'm like, uh, like I got nothing. I could care less about making the gravy. There people out there listening. They're like, got, really? You can make no. a gravy base three or four days? I'm telling got, you, it is so easy. It, it just made my Thanksgiving. It was like really? lickety split. You're telling me about that. I started thinking about milk duds. That's I got too nothing. bad. Really? All right. Should we take a break?
I also did a smashed sweet potato with chipotle peppers. <laughs> Wait, tetrazzini. What's the other thing that you were talking about? The, the bechamel the sauce. Bechamel. Mm. And what else now? Uh, chipotle peppers in my smashed sweet potatoes. There it is. It's all here in the right home. 101.5 WORD. Peace on Earth. It's a nice sentiment, one that's mentioned a lot this time of year. But is it possible? This week on Through the Bible, Dr. J. Vernon McGee gives us the answer as we study the Old Testament book of Zechariah. So hop aboard the Bible bus as we continue our journey through the whole Word of God. Through the Bible, this evening at 9 p.m. on 101.5 WORD. Of all the women in the world, you chose her. She is the one you can't live without. How will you tell her, I love you forever? You tell her with a diamond. From Trinity Jewelers. And of all the diamonds in the world, none say forever, like the center of my universe from Forevermark. Less than 1% of the world's diamonds can carry the Forevermark inscription, a promise that each diamond is beautiful, rare, and responsibly sourced. A diamond worthy of a woman as rare as she is, and a love as unique as yours. The center of my universe can only be found at an authorized Forevermark jeweler. Trinity Jewelers, Mount Nebo Road. Discover Forevermark, the diamond, the promise, at Trinity Jewelers. For when you really want to say, I love you forever. Visit trinityjewelers.com. Turkey and stuffing, real mashed potatoes, sliced top round, Aunt Emma's broccoli casserole, chicken and gravy over buttermilk biscuits. Am I making you hungry yet? Hi, it's me, Marsha, from the Springhouse. Do you have a special event coming up in your life? A shower, a wedding, graduation party, company party, anniversary event, or any occasion where you'd love to serve all-natural, farm-fresh foods? Then it's time to give the Springhouse Catering Department a call at 724-228-3339. From your first conversation with Dawn, who will help you create a menu that's unique to you, to the beautiful, bounteous setup and display that my sister Jill and her crew create, you will be delighted. After every catering event, Jill tells our cooks, I wish I could take you with me so you could hear all the wonderful comments guests give us. Give us a call at 724-228-3339 or check out our extensive menu at springhousemarket.com for farm-fresh catering from the Springhouse. Merry Christmas. This is Dean Gartland, president of City Mission. It has been a challenging year. Thank you for supporting City Mission through these uncertain times. I'm reminded of the words of Jesus, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Your generosity has helped us to be a light in the darkness for so many in need. The need is growing and City Mission will be there, but only with your continued support. Please visit us at citymission.org and let your light shine today. God bless you this Christmas season. We, uh... We've been suffering through like you have lately. And so our, our panacea, you know, late night sitting around the family, what do you want to do? You know, do you want to, you know, watch something on the stream and, you know, you want to suffer through some drama or, you know, have your anxiety stolen by some heartbreak film or whatnot. So we, we've more often than not, we're watching stand-up comedians and I, I love it. I mean, you know, it makes, makes the time much more palpable to laugh a little bit. However, in the midst of, you know, COVID, we're loving on Jim Gaffigan, but then 
Jim Gaffigan blows up and he goes on Twitter and he starts, you know, talking politics. And you go, there is no safe refuge for a good, clean laugh. Everything has disappeared. So what is the you know, what is the solution here in the midst of our anger, in our rancor, in our finger pointing, in our fear, and our retribution, and all the negativity that surrounds us when you can't find a good, reliable laugh? Dr. Tim Mulehoff is with us from Biola University. Uh, he's written several books that we love. Uh, Defending Your Marriage, The Reality of Spiritual Battle is a favorite of ours. And he's here today to talk to us about this rancor and getting a good laugh. Tim, welcome back. Hey, great to have you. Uh, let me start. Great introduction, by the way. Thank you. Um, let me start with a joke. Here's the joke. Okay. Yeah. How do we know Jesus was a woman? How? Because even after he was dead, he had to get up and serve people. <laughs> now, 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 that joke to me is diagnostic of a Christian's relationship to humor. So yeah. let me give you a little context. I'm in graduate yeah. school. I'm the only male in an all high-level feminist seminar. There are eight brilliant feminist PhDs and me. And the only reason I'm there is because my dissertation director allowed me to be in the class. So we're on a listserv, and um, a woman just sends out an email with this joke. How do you know yeah. Jesus was a woman? And uh, then she sends me a private email. And she goes, Tim, I am so sorry. I totally, I forgot you were on the list. I never would have told that joke if I thought you were, so man, my bad, I blew it. And I, I, I shot back a response, are you kidding? My wife and I are still laughing. Yeah. So it tells me two things. One, what is her impression of Christians mm -hmm. that we have no sense of humor whatsoever and that we're easily offendable? And I think in today's argument culture, we have got to reclaim a sense of humor. And by that, I think I mean the willingness to laugh at yourself. Um, listen to what G.K. Chesterton said. Chesterton tipped the scales at 300 pounds. He was a Christian apologist. He debated the best of the best during his time. He said this, a man can be entirely great while he is entirely foolish. And I, I think we've lost the ability to laugh at ourselves, and we, our perception is that we're deadly serious about yeah. everything, and I, I think we've got to change that somehow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, boy, that's a really great, oh, really great. For sure. Look, because if you can't laugh at yourself, then there's something that's in the way, whether it's, you know, pride or yes. something that's sort of over. Self-importance. Right. I mean, really, yeah. I mean, you, you just have to know living with yourself for X number of years, we are ridiculous people. I don't care who that is. We're all ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. I remember one time um, a friend of mine who's not a Christian saying, I say, you people in the dominant culture, you just guys are just so privileged and you're entitled to everything. And I just sat there and my response was, hey, it's hard being part of the dominant culture. Imagine all the meetings. <laughs> and the, the the person actually chuckled just a little bit. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, so yeah. listen to philosopher Stephen Oakey, who actually writes about humor. I, I thought this was really well said. With a sense of humor, I can laugh at myself. I can remember that I am not actually the center of the cosmos. 
Whenever I become puffed up with pride and consider myself to be greater than I really am, teasing might knock me down an appropriate number of pegs. It might help me remain grounded in reality, not floating in my delusions of grandeur. Mm, That's really good. I I like that. Yeah, I like that too. I, John, we've done the same thing. We've never talked about this off the air, but we've done the same thing in our house where we've been watching a lot of stand-up comedy, but we've also been watching a lot of funny TV shows. And um, there's always this um, conversation, Tim, in our house, which is, okay, so what's it okay to laugh at? Okay, Mm. So, so some of the shows that we're watching are, you know, you know, they're a little scandalous. This is not for, you know, uh, an audience, including children. This is, you know, adults only, but we have older kids and we also think it's important to laugh. And so the conversation comes back to, okay, so what is it that honors God? What is it that takes, um, that takes us down a peg, you know, allows us to laugh at maybe our own group, um, to, you know, maybe laugh at Christians a little bit, nothing that's, you know, horrible or, you know, really angst inducing, but laughs a little bit, but also allows us to understand what the culture is talking about. I mean, how do you wade through those issues, especially with, you know, all the stuff that there is online in the middle of a pandemic? Well, and Kathy, I mean, we know stand-up comedy is a wasteland. I I mean, if you want to turn on some, and even people that shock you, that, that they're really, really gross when you listen to their stand-up routines, yeah. not when you're watching sitcoms. So I, I used to do stand-up comedy in college, and cool. uh, it, it was, oh, my gosh, the women were worse than the men because I think they wanted to show the men that, hey, mm. I can be just as vulgar as, as you can. So let me, let me mention a concept I've been playing around with, evangelistic humor. So to me, this is evangelistic humor. That joke was evangelistic humor to me. Yeah. Right. So I need to not be so serious when I'm engaging those outside the Christian community. And I need to be a little bit different when I'm inside the Christian community. I I think Paul did this and how he reacted to people within the church, what he called them to, but even how he reacted to people outside the church. So I think we need to think long and hard if our stereotype is that we're not playful people. We're not, um, humor would never be used to describe us. So then I think we make a decision of, of how can I laugh at myself almost in strategic ways. So in this essay I'm writing for the Christian Scholars Review, I use Tina Fey as an, uh, I'm sorry, Sarah Palin as an example. Okay, so you got Sarah Palin, who claims to be a Christian, and she's running for VP, and don't you know that Tina Fey from Saturday Night Live in 2008 does an impression of her that is so spot on that she received a primetime Emmy Award for Outstanding Guest Actress in a Comedy Series, okay? And yeah. let's be fair, that was picking on Sarah Palin's intelligence. Remember the famous line, I right. can see Russia sure. from here, okay? Sure, sure. So, So Sarah Palin has a decision to make. Does she go to war with Saturday Night Live? Uh, I I don't think she's going to win that war. No, that's a losing battle. 
Yeah, she's not going to win it. So here's what she does, and I'm not a Sarah Palin fan, okay? But she makes the she makes the decision not only to joke about it. So whenever she would be interviewed and she would make a mistake, a factual mistake or a wordplay, she would always laugh and say, "Well, I'm just merely providing job security to Saturday Night Live cast members," <laughs> which is Good. great. Which is just a great line. Then on October 18th, 2008, she joins the cast of Saturday Night Live and actually stands alongside Tina Fey as wow. Tina Fey is impersonating her. And guess what? Tina Fey came out in an article that said, you know what? I don't like her. I don't like her politics. But you know what? Sometimes you just got to tip your cap. And I mm. so respect that woman walking mm. on our show and laughing at herself. Um, I thought, wow, could we yeah. do more of what G.K. Chesterton did? Right. Yeah. Who would who would dress up as a donkey every once in a while. He would have these elaborate house parties where he would dress up as characters after he would debate George Bernard Shaw, a great humanist. They would go to the pub and they would sit there and have beers and they would both kid each other. Like like George Bernard Shaw would say, oh, G.K., when you said this, that was just horse pucky. And G.K. Chesterton would say, you're right. But when you said this. And they look at each other and clink their glasses and say, "Well, yes, all right, all right, well done, yes." That's good. I think we need. I think we need. More, but but you know what's going to happen, John and Kathy? As I'm saying this, the the conservative Christian community. If Tim Neohoff did this, if John and Kathy did this, do you know how hard we would get hit mm-hmm. from the conservative yeah. element of the Christian community? How so? Oh, I, I think they would say, "What do you? What do you?" What are you doing laughing at that joke? Right. What are okay, you so doing to... going to a pub with a humanist? What are you guys doing clinking glasses and laughing at each other and with each other? Right. Now, look, uh, we've been, you know, because, you know, here we are at a Christian radio station. From time to time, a, now this is in air quotes, a Christian comedian will come to town. Now, the place is, is always packed. I mean, because you know, people want to laugh. But I think the difference is by, you know, the comedian saying, I'm a Christian comedian, everyone in the audience goes, okay, then it's cool. No one's going to be dropping F-bombs. You know, it's right. going to be good for everybody. It, it sort of takes the pressure off. But, you know, within that, I mean, you know, there is some, you know, someone's pushing the envelope. I think the problem is when you label yourself as, you know, the Christian comedian, then, you know, it sort of like separates those other people from us. And there's that gulf that provides us the opportunity not to engage the entire culture. I mean, I, I think that I, I love your point. I guess the question is, how do we embrace all that, still be people of faith, not be crazy, you know, uh, ridiculous F-bomb droppers and do, do, you know, ridiculous, dirty comedy at the same time, have everybody together in the same place and get along and share a laugh. I, I guess that's the magic formula. Yeah, yes. And I think we can do both. I, I mean, I think I can be a comedian within the church, right? But then when yeah. I step out of the church is when I can think I can even poke fun at my conservative Christian ties. Here's what I'm thinking of, John. Here's what I'm thinking of. So we love to watch America's Got Talent. One yeah. guy that we particularly liked, I don't know if you watched this, he was a stutterer, a lifelong stutterer. Uh, and no, he it. did. Oh, it was, it's great. You've got to look it up. I, I don't remember his name offhand. Just type in America's Got Talent, the stuttering comedian. He got up, right, and he stutters horribly. 
And here is his first joke, won the audience over. Yeah, I've, I've had a hard time getting consistent work. Like I tried to be the voiceover on a GPS and it, it just didn't work because I would go too late. Right. It was hilarious. And it put everybody at ease because the dude's making fun of his own stuttering issue. And I think could we not. Yeah, breaks through the obvious. And I could get up as a conservative Christian and say, listen, we got some issues. Okay. Yeah, I'm a committed Christian, but let me tell you, we got issues. All right, Tim, now listen. I wonder. So, Tim, maybe it's time that, you know, you revitalized your college stand-up comedian career and did this. It's a great idea. Tim, I'm sorry we're out of time. But, listen, we always love having you with us. You push the envelope, and it's really a good thing. But thanks for all this. I mean, thanks for stirring the pot and bringing to light these really interesting ideas. Tim Muehlhoff, the author of Winsome Persuasion, Christian Influence in a Post-Christian World. When the earth stands between you and a finished project, you need E&K Excavation. Whether you have to dig it, grade it, drain it, prep it, stabilize it, shape it, clear it, or dispose of it, E&K Excavation has over 100 years of combined experience and a fleet of heavy equipment to help you bend it to your will. They can handle any size project for your home or business, providing quality results on time and on budget. For a free quote, visit ekexcavation.com. They'll move the earth for you at ekexcavation.com. We're all thinking a lot more about staying safe these days. Windows R Us Pittsburgh is no different. When it comes to working around your home, Windows R Us remains committed to the safety of you and your family. For roofs, gutters, and downspouts, siding, and, of course, windows, Windows R Us Pittsburgh can answer the call. With over 50 years of home remodeling experience, Windows R Us has earned its reputation as the area's premier exterior replacement company. And all work will be done in strict compliance with the government's social distancing guidelines. If you've had damage, you may be eligible for a free repair or replacement. Visit windowsarouspittsburgh.com for a free inspection from one of the highly trained appraisers. You'll love their no-pressure approach, no hidden fees, and one of the fastest turnaround times in the industry. From a company that will never skip town when it comes to honoring their warranty. Why pay double? Trust the area's premier exterior replacement company, windowsrspittsburgh.com. That's windowsrspittsburgh.com. Hi, I'm John Henney from Henney Jewelers. Since 1887, my family has helped people celebrate the most memorable moments in their lives. We are rooted in faith and commit to doing the right thing again and again. We believe in the covenant of marriage and use our to have and to hold program to encourage couples as they prepare to spend the rest of their lives together. Please stop into our Shadyside store to learn more or visit HennyJewelers.com. Henny Jewelers, your jewelers for life. Merry Christmas. This is Dean Gartland, president of City Mission. It has been a challenging year. Thank you for supporting City Mission through these uncertain times. I'm reminded of the words of Jesus, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Your generosity has helped us to be a light in the darkness for so many in need. The need is growing and City Mission will be there, but only with your continued support. Please visit us at citymission.org and let your light shine today. God bless you this Christmas season. Levin Furniture and Mattress is celebrating 100 years with the very best values, finance offers, and highest quality furniture. Let them help you create the home of your dreams this holiday season at all Levin Furniture and Mattress stores or LevinFurniture.com. All right, so we really appreciate your presence here during the show. Uh, If you're listening to us right now, it's fair to say that you're probably not a Steeler fan, or maybe you are a Steeler fan and you're just DVRing the game. 
because which is, yeah, which is what everybody should be doing. Because who wants to watch a Steeler game at three forty? Right. So we have banned Mike from giving us any updates on the uh, the, mm-hmm. the game, what's going on. So when the game's over, we're going to uh, you know rewind and uh, start the game from the beginning. So exactly. we have no idea what's going on. I can't Hopefully give you an head... update real quick though. Okay. Nope. Nobody's wearing masks except for the people on the sidelines. Okay. So, That's okay. interesting. There so Governor go. Wolf uh, may be upset about that. Right. Right. Is that the deal? Because everyone's so. supposed to wear a mask while you're playing football. Yeah. I mean, I guess that was the latest thing. Come on. That's ridiculous. You know that. Oh, my gosh. Seriously. I'm just glad they finally got the game in. Holy smokes. I know. Smokes. I thought that was never going to happen. Yeah. And so this Sunday, no Steeler football. But now we're Monday night at 5. What? Yeah. A 5 o'clock game? Yeah, we're playing the Washington Football Club Monday at 5. Okay. You know, Again, I'm afraid. Another time that people are just not used to watching right. football. Okay? I, I'm afraid because you know I'm telling you I'm going to bed every night at 10:30. What if there's a 10:30 game? I know it's what's going to happen next. I'll be in big trouble then. I mean, good grief! I'll be sleeping through the game. Am I too much of a homer to say I feel like the NFL's picking on the Steelers? Yeah, you are. That's a all homer right. Attitude. Fine, I'm a homer. Let's go Steelers. The ride home with John and Kathy, a production of Salem Media Group.